Hey WestJet pilots, on today's episode, Giovanni Martorella from Communications speaks with John Janicki from the Scheduling Committee about the recently announced LOU number 8 and what that means for you. Alright pilots, uh, WestJet pilots, welcome to the second episode of the WestJet MEC pilot podcast. Today we have John Janicki from the Scheduling Committee to talk to us uh, a little bit about LOU 8 and uh, cover some of the items uh, and explain how it came to be and how certain things uh, work in practice. So I'm going to send it over to John and open it up by, uh, with a question. So John, this came about as a settlement of three grievances, I believe? Yeah, so the original, uh, what happened here is it's a combination of three policy grievances. We have uh, the you know, RDC grievance. Every pilot, I'm sure, has seen these three words pop up in their schedules. We have uh, another one called the deadhead extension. And the last one is uh, uh, the pilot uh, training um, a grievance. So one of the things we, we noticed when we, you know, read the contract initially, when you read the reassignment language, um, you know, the reassignment language doesn't have a really good explanation on the mechanisms on how you're going to be reassigned. And then we have other parts of the contract, uh, 21-803, which just simply says you'll be eligible and available for reassignment for the duration of their scheduled duty. So we sat down and talked at the scheduling review committee. Scheduling review committee is the joint committee between the scheduling committee and the company. And we identified this as an issue, and the company identified this as an issue. Um, so it has been on our radar for over a year. And at the time, it wasn't a big issue because we didn't see very many reassignments. Of course, COVID hit. And then what we noticed is that this RDC code was popping up everywhere. I think almost every pilot has seen uh, this RDC code. So this turned into a policy grievance and uh, we reached out to the to the MEC executive and we said do you want us to exp uh, explore a negotiated settlement and uh, this is how we ended up with uh, with the RDC piece which will now be called PCM or pairing cancellation and modification um, so that's the beginning of that one so pilots shouldn't be seeing this RDC once it's implemented RDC code will be kind of gone well, and the, it'll be replaced by a PCM? Yeah, so RDC is going to go back to where it originally was supposed to be for, which is return to duty. So it's a return to duty code that the company just used because they didn't really have anything else. So that was their uh, placeholder. And then because there was no mechanism, they just grabbed some short call reserve language and they combined them. So obviously we, we didn't agree with that. And, and uh, that's how the policy grievance kind of came about. So can you explain how this PCM works? Like what's the difference now or what should pilots expect when they receive a, if they're reassigned and they get a PCM code in their schedule? So the, the new PCM is gonna take um, uh, the place of the RDC code. And it's, it's uh, basically going to, you know, what will happen is if, you, if your pairing gets a reassignment or they change the complete pairing, there's almost sort of like three buckets that you could think of. So the first bucket would be, let's say, a week out and you have a four-day pairing and the whole pairing gets cancelled. So that one is going to be on the first few points of the language. So you're going to see this PCM code be put in for the, for the duration of that uh, pairing. 
And then what's going to happen is that um, by 5 o'clock PBT time, so permanent base time, you're going to hopefully reassignment, have a reassignment by uh, crew scheduling. If they don't give you that reassignment, you're basically released for the day. Yep. Sorry, just would that be the day before, 5 p.m., the day, the before, day before it was supposed to start? Yeah. What we did was in part of this, because this is a ne negotiated settlement, we really wanted to, to give commuters more time, too. So we, we added a, a, a note that allows pilots to call in between uh, 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Um, the day prior to be assigned or to see if they could be released uh, whatnot. So, you know, for instance, if you're a commuter and you live out in, say, Vancouver, um, there's a three-hour difference. So if you called by, uh, say, noon and they didn't have anything for you, you know, you would be released until the following day. Um, if they did have something for you, that pairing has to fit in to the original pairing block window. And so that gives commuters time to get out to their to their base. So you'd only be released for that next 24-hour period, not for the four days. So no. you then you'd have a could only be reassigned the next day for the next three days type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So or you know if on maybe they uh, didn't have anything for you right away, but by say you know you call in and they go, hey, we do have something a four-day pairing that does fit into your original block. Right. So that could be there too. And really moving forward. You know, after COVID kind of ends, we do see kind of going back to a normal day where, you know, your, your pairing would just be modified and you might be reassigned to a leg or two. So that that's the first part of it. Um, the second part is, let's say, you know, a, a Vancouver person is is on their way to to Toronto and uh, they're, you know, commuting out and they're already there. So what happens? Or even even somebody driving in, say, long distance, let's say in Calgary, you live, uh, it's, uh, I think it's an hour and a half away uh, by Google Maps. Um, if you're, you're already on your way and you're at your base, well, now we have language there where the company is going to provide you with a hotel. So um, that allows the pilot then to, you know, not incur the costs of, you know, having to pay for their own hotel. And again, the same restrictions apply. Um, you would be, you know, notified by 5 o'clock permanent base time. Um, if you have a pairing the next day, and if you didn't, you'd be released, but they would still provide you with that hotel for the duration of, of, of your original block. So that, and just to clarify, that would be a scenario where you're already on your way to your pairing and short call or short um, time frame, they cancel it kind of ad hoc right off that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that really, I think, helps out the commuters and stuff like that. So it, it gives some solace that if you if you end up at your base and they've canceled your you know next four days they're going to provide you with a hotel and uh that uh, in the framework of that pcm window now here's a question if you say we're on a four-day pairing in your commuter are you then obligated to stay in your base for those four days in the hotel or how would that scenario work so there are, there is language there where i mean technically crew scheduling could release you for the remainder of your of your pairing and there is language at the very end where let's say you know you just don't want you just don't want to stay in your base you just want to go home you can actually reject the assignment of PCM forfeit the pairing credit without any discipline so if you just said no I want to go home you can do that so oh. and you won't be disciplined you will lose the credit now could you opt to then say I want to go home and finish the last three days I saw there was a provision where you can hold it out of your domicile as well 
So yeah, the idea behind that is that you had already have been canceled, say three to four days out. And yeah. it's in the language you'll note, it doesn't say you can hold it in your domicile, but having that provision where you can call in or and you have to be assigned by five o'clock your permanent base time, it gives people who don't live in their permanent base that ability to stay in their domicile. Oh, so, so it's they, gonna give them enough time. They wouldn't assign you something out of say Kelowna or Winnipeg, but you could stay home as long as you could call in and get to your base in time for your reassignment exactly yeah so long as you can get you know you have a reasonable enough amount of time to get to your to when you, you know you should have been working anyways so got it um and then so and then the last part of it would be let's say you're on day two and you're traveling through your base and uh the pairing was canceled and obviously the the same sort of language applies. The company's gonna provide you a hotel. Um, you're gonna get your meals covered at that in that case too. And uh, you go onto this PCM block and they'll assign you a, a pairing by same rules, five o'clock uh, permanent base time. Or, you know, in some cases, maybe it's the end of the pairing, they might say, hey, you know, we don't see anything for you and you could be released um, as in provision four there. Okay, and then again, you're, they wouldn't give you a flight home because you've commuted, so you just get your Yeah, home. so the hotel is only provided for the nights or the days that you were originally on your pairing. So if you are a commuter and you're a long-distance commuter and you came out the night before, um, they wouldn't provide you the, the hotel uh, provision in that case. So, John, I just wanted to go back to this um, scenario where you're a commuter, you've commuted into your base, or you're on your way to, to say, Toronto from wherever, and somewhere on the way there your pairing gets cancelled say a four-day pairing you land you got a message from cruisegate four-day pairing's been cancelled you're assigned pcm here's your hotel get in the cab um you mentioned earlier that you could refuse it and head back home and forfeit your pay but what if a pilot wanted to keep that pay are they now on reserve for those four days or how does that work no the big difference between reserve is that you, a reserve has a reserve availability period so you are essentially on call this doesn't all this is saying is that you know the crew scheduling has to call you by five o'clock to give you a pairing uh you don't you, there's no obligation for you to be on call to check your phone to look at career view um you can call in if you want uh between uh 3 p.m and 5 p.m to look for assignment but it's only saying that uh at least by five o'clock they're going to either assign you a pairing for the next day or that you're going to be released for the next day um, and the only obligation you have is to you know periodically check your phone just to see if you have any messages but you're not on call you can do whatever you want cool so is there anything else about pcm that you think uh might be helpful to uh expand upon maybe not so you know in layman's terms from the language or we pretty much covered it I think we've covered a lot of it. You know, do know that the, the, this was a collaborative effort between the scheduling committee, the grievance committee, the legal teams, and we ran it through the negotiating committee uh, as well. So there was a lot of work done on this. It was a lot of time. Um, and like I said, it was a negotiated settlement with the company as well. So, you know, there were some areas where we tried to get a little bit more, but again, you, you know, you, you end up in a time frame or you know you you end up in certain aspects because it is is negotiated so okay and then there was two other items on uh, moa 8 as well that you had mentioned is there any you want to yeah maybe so touch briefly on those so the last leg deadhead extensions so with the advent of 
with the introduction of the new uh, cars, it introduced a whole new framework on flight uh, on on the duty period on the maximum duty period. And if you're familiar with them, we now you know in the old days it used to be 14 hours, and now we have a whole range of times ranging from like nine to 13 hours. One of the provisions in CAR uh, 700-43 is the ability to extend that uh, FDP table, so flight du deck duty period, up to three hours for positioning purposes at the end of a at the end of the duty day. Now, if you read our contract, it doesn't provide for that. There is nothing in our language that says you can extend the FDP table, the maximum FDP table. So obviously, uh, this was happening once our con uh, in the contract and a grievance, a, a policy grievance was filed. Um, again, we reached out and, and we decided that it would be better to reach a settlement than to take it to uh, to arbitration because you just don't know where it would go, right? Like, you know, the cars would allow three hours past um, past the FTP table. So that could be a maximum of 16 hours um, of duty. And that would be programmed into the solver. So when what we negotiated, um, and I think the, the first statement you're going to see, it, it looks very innocuous. And it just says the standard crew table um, shall be the uh, default maximum scheduling software parameter used to determine the length of a flight duty period. And so what that means is that the solver is only solving to a maximum of 13 hours or whatever the FTP times were at that. So when you say solver, you mean the pairing generation software. Yeah. So it's not going to kick out a pairing with the extra three hours kicked on. It's going to plan for to fit everything within that duty period that you're allowed. Yeah. And, and so when, when pilots will look at this and they go, hey, why did, why did you agree to a, a two-hour extension um, on that FTP table? Why didn't you just hold out? And again, it goes back to that, that policy grievance where we didn't know where we'd go in arbitration. We were worried about that. And so we landed on two hours. But the big thing is that it can only be used um, for certain circumstances, which we've laid out in in section um, 10 there that it may be extended up to two hours um, above the FTP table uh, in times where under extenuating operational circumstances to address low frequency routes that, that result in extended layovers, provide more desirable rest opportunities or return a pilot to their home base. And then section 11 kind of goes in how it's going to happen. So the idea is that uh, Section 11 talks about that all of these extensions have to be reviewed by the Scheduling Review Committee, have to be approved by the Scheduling Review Committee, and then recommended by the Scheduling Re Review Committee. And so the language, what it does is it means that all or every single extension past that FDP has to be approved and has to be manually built. That was my next question. So because we had talked about the solver solving within the table, yeah. and then where does this two hours come in? So they're manually built yeah. on these one-off type Deer Lake, for example, to get you out if you need to, or is yeah, that a fair and, thing to... And that's the idea, is that the, the extensions are there to 
help pilots as well because we're going to be you know we, we have some pairings where they're just low frequency and so the alternative might be to simply overnight you there for two days or 96 hours so there it, it makes more sense to get you back right and and deadhead you home and stuff like that instead of like you know two days or three alt carriers coming back through who knows where um and the and the really good thing about this too is that every one of these extensions has to be reviewed by the scheduling review committee and that's the joint committee and that's the joint committee and this isn't going to happen just a month out this is like when you know the network planning builds this, the schedule so we're talking about six months out so this is really going to give us time to do an in-depth look to make sure that these pairings will be okay and we can enter uh, bring in other groups to for instance the uh, central air safety committee um, so yeah it'll be reviewed by all of the uh, safety committees within uh, within ALPA so the other thing that we managed to negotiate is that if we are going to extend past the FTP so if you have a two-hour extension that the company is going to remove from inventory at least 30 days prior to the pairing uh, uh, a premium economy cabin so at least if you are going to go and uh, have that extended duty day we're going to provide you with the uh, premium economy cabin to deadhead in and uh, if there is none left um, in the worst case scenario you will receive a stipend of three hundred dollars um, in, in lieu of the, uh, the premium cabin for example they're all sold out because of whatever reason yeah, and so there's there's a few advantages of doing that too. Having that that uh, language about the premium economy cabin really creates a incentive for the company to build these pairings because you know as we see these can be very expensive seats, especially if it's a long deadhead from say somewhere in the Caribbean or Mexico. You know they could upwards of five hundred to thousand dollars. You never know. So that that creates a incentive for the company not to build to build these. So. You know, again, when I look at this, the, the big thing I, I want pilots to know is that, you know, you'll, you'll read other contracts, and we did look at other contracts. For instance, Encore has a maximum of 14 hours. But that 14 hours, the, the solver can solve for that, or the pairing generator can build pairings for that. And we've seen that in the past. You know, we've seen deadheads where, you know, you might, uh, a Calgary crew might start in Hamilton, come through Calgary, and then deadhead to Porto Vierta. Well, you know, the salt, the compute or the gener pairing generator will build those pairings because it can, right? So if you take that out, it won't. It'll just find another route to go. It's like driving down the road. You can either take route A or B and they'll still get you to your destination. They're just different choices. So by removing that choice, it, uh, it won't be built anymore. Okay, sounds good. So we're basically we're trying to help with the fatigue for our pilots as well and uh, improve scheduling quality overall is what, it, is right. what I'm hearing. Yeah, and we, again, it goes also to the point that, you know, it is allowed in the cars and, you know, if it had gone to an arbitrator, you, you, you don't know exactly which way it could go. You know, full cars implementation with allowing the, uh, the pairing generator build right to the cars, I think would be very detrimental. So um, this is more restrictive than the cars, obviously. Yes, this is more restrictive than the cars. Right. Okay, cool. Um, so now the last item was the home-based training pay part. Yes. So it seems pretty straightforward, but maybe you want to 
Yeah, to answer that, Giovanni, uh, a lot of this isn't my, you know, I'm the SME for scheduling and not fair. <laughs> not training, so I, I can't really answer it too much. So well, That's fair enough. Well, I think uh, we had some good info from you today. Appreciate you joining us uh, this warm, sunny afternoon here in Calgary at our brand new office. Uh, John Janicki from the Scheduling Committee, and I'm Giovanni from uh, Communications. And we'll Thanks, talk everybody. to you for uh, Episode 3 next time. Thanks, WestJet Pilots, for listening to the WestJet Pilot Podcast. We hope you found it informative. Stay tuned for future podcasts. And if you have any suggestions, send us an email at wjacommunications at alpa.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.